Welcome back to Awakened Exchanges. I'm your host, Jay Rich, and welcome to another new episode for 2021. We're still early in the year, but I hope it's already looking brighter for you than the last year of lockdowns and quarantine has. Hopefully we can keep COVID trending in the right direction this time. I know that I'm definitely grateful to be back with regular episodes, and I'm looking forward to a lot of fun guests coming on this year. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, though, please feel free to email me. You can reach me at our website or contact me on Twitter at Awaken Exchanges. I hope to have a full, diverse, and interesting schedule for 2021, so keep joining us back here on The Exchange. As a setup for this week's show, I want to talk a little bit about ESP. I know that it's easy to say that all psychics are fake, and I believe that the vast majority you see setting up shop out there are, are trying to milk sad people out of their money, but I don't think that discounts intuition and instinct. I would love to have someone like Russell Targ on the show to talk about his involvement in the Stanford Research Institute's remote viewing projects. Those later became the Defense Intelligence Agency's Project Stargate. I think that there are a lot of possibilities that are locked within human consciousness. We've seen that big events such as 9-11 can actually have an effect on random number generators. We've also seen that People can influence the odds of a one or zero appearing on one of those random number generators by concentrating on one of those numbers. They're measurable scientific effects. With that in mind, you've got to think about Project Stargate and the fact that Russell Targ has been talking about remote viewing for decades. But how would you prove something like that? We would, of course, as humans, want 100% accuracy and reproducibility, but uh, we're not going to get close to that. Uh, we're just kind of getting into what all of this is. We don't really even have a way to study it. So, on a metaphysical level, if you start to look at the Taurus model of the universe, which you can currently see as my pin thread on Twitter, by the way, and that's as of January 23rd or 4th right now, um, but uh, we can kind of discuss how it could be possible. So, if you assume that the mathematical and scientific notion that all time is happening now, all of the past, present, and future, the way that some physicists are theorizing. And then you also assume that Einstein was right and that energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. Then that means that energy is basically mass and vibration. That means all of that stuff that is flowing while the neurons are firing in our brains that is likely responsible for our consciousness is that energy. So you can't destroy energy. So what happens to that? So let's look at the Taurus field again. And you check out that thread and imagine that constantly flowing orb of energy that contains all of the universe. All of the universe. Past, present, future, all of us, everything contained in this orb of energy that's constantly flowing in this field. All that is, all that was, and all that will be. Then suppose that our vibration is slowed down enough that we are experiencing time as we are here on Earth. What if through some sort of meditation, or in some cases drugs, we can expand our consciousness and maybe even slow down our vibration a little bit more, or speed that vibration up even, and tap into that Taurus field, then projecting our consciousness into another point in time or space. Could that not eventually be a scientifically researched way to look at remote viewing? Could we not devise some sort of testing for that? 
That's probably enough of my rantings to start the show this week, but speaking of my pin thread, it will be getting updated soon, as I plan on doing a series that's going to be deconstructing the Great Awakening map. Now, I think the visuals will be helpful, and that you guys may want to check it out. So, that pin thread will be updated a little bit more frequently, and maybe I'll have to do a a thread of threads like uh, my friend Nick Hinton over there at Twitter does for his conspiracy theory stuff. As for this week's show, I want to thank this week's guest, Sean Shumway, for coming back on The Exchange. We had been talking about getting together on another episode for a couple of weeks, and after a couple of synchronistic moments, we decided that it was time to talk about, you probably guessed it, psychic abilities. So, We had a very fun conversation that explores the main different types of described abilities. That would be clairvoyance, claircognizance, clairaudience, and clairsentience, which we'll get into more in the episode. Uh, There was an intensely weedy 250 milligram edible involved in my part of recording this episode, but uh, I thought since we were going to be talking about psychic abilities, maybe I should try and feel them a little bit more too don't know that it actually helped my intuition feel any sharper, but it sure felt like I was engaged in the conversation on another level. So I want to remind people real quick, though, that I stay fairly highly THC'd, so I don't recommend 250 milligrams worth of edibles for others. I know that some people can't take 5 milligrams, so be careful with this stuff. I regularly consume 1,000 milligrams plus. It's all about your own body, your own tolerances. If you're in a legal state and you can indulge, just remember to be safe and always start with low quantities. It can take an hour or more before the full effects come into play, so don't overdo it. And despite my THC level, I still had no discernible ESP abilities in this episode. All right, that's probably enough of a PSA, though. Before we get to the interview, here's a brief rundown of our sponsors. As always, I want to thank all of you personally for your support. Just listening and sharing this podcast with your friends gives me a reason to keep providing the best content that I can. If you have the means and would like to contribute personally, please take a look at our Patreon page, where you will get access to exclusive content and deals. There are already bonus videos available as I record this, and more are on the way. As for our other sponsors, Awaken Vapes was the first of the Awaken brands and has been helping you modulate your high with CBD-only, high-terpene vape products since 2019. Genesis Farms has been making the highest quality medicinal RSO, among many other fantastic products, starting with the medical community back before 2010. And last but not least, the Caramel Corn Company, always bringing you caramel corn the way it was meant to be. And remember, if you enjoy this podcast, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on YouTube, or follow us wherever else you're listening. And don't forget to please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I know every podcast says that, but it's because it really does help spread the word. You can also support us on Patreon or connect with us on the social media of your choice. We are at Awakened Exchanges on Facebook and Instagram and at Awaken Exchanges on Twitter. All right now, stay tuned and thank you for listening to Awakened Exchanges. Genesis Farms was founded on the belief in cannabis' ability to heal. Genesis Farms is more than a brand. They're a compassionate community of like-minded folks that generate top-quality cannabis products made with love and care. 
Community outreach is always on their mind, and their partnerships with Grow for Vets and Parents for Pot was just the beginning of what they hope to accomplish in the coming years. You can find their products on the best dispensary shelves across the state of Oregon. Their RSO is the most consistent quality in the state. Their tinctures are second to none, and their personal massage oil will have you and your partner coming back for more. Find them on Facebook and Instagram and ask for them in your local dispensary today. Don't forget to listen to Sean's interview right here on Awakened Exchanges. It's episode number three. The Caramel Corn Company is bringing you caramel corn the way it was meant to be. Made with premium ingredients in small, handcrafted batches and completely gluten-free. Their flavors include original, roasted cashew, salted almond, mixed nut, spicy sriracha, white morsel macadamia, peanut butter, butterscotch, and my personal favorites, chocolate drizzle and raspberry caramel apple. I can't say enough about how delicious this caramel corn is. It makes a great gift any time of the year. You can find them for sale in Portland area market of choice locations and hopefully again online soon when they get stocked back up. Please visit www.caramelcorncompany.com for more information today. And remember, Buying local supports small businesses and keeps your money building your community. Last but not least, Awaken Vapes has been bringing you some of the highest quality CBD vapes since ringing in the new year of 2019. I became passionate about cannabis after a car wreck left me with major migraines and no prescribed pills helped alleviate the symptoms. Having only tried cannabis a handful of times in high school and college, it was a doctor's recommendation that led me to give it another try. Only then did I realize that we'd all been at least a little misled about the health benefits of this amazing plant. Despite an unexpected break because of the vape ban and then a global health crisis with COVID, the business is stronger than ever, and we invite you to check out our updated website today. We are still offering our three varieties with new and improved terpene formulations for enhanced flavor to go along with the custom blended effect profiles. Check back at www.awakenedvapes.com for any updates, and you can always email us about wholesaling or white labeling opportunities. All right, welcome back to Awakened Exchanges. Uh, we're very grateful to have you back on the exchange today, Sean. I'm happy to be here. So uh, for those that didn't listen to your first episode, why don't you uh, tell us your name and a little bit about who you are. My name is Sean Shumway. And who am I? Boy, that conversation could go on forever. <laughs> but anyway, it? we'll make the, uh, the quick points of I am a musician and completely in love with music. I am very much into spirituality from a core aspect, but also into specific metaphysics and uh, various, you know, eclectic ideas. I'm a healer and a massage therapist. And I like good food. I like good movies and music and a good story. And I think that's enough of an intro for now. I love it. So uh, what are you going to talk to us about today? Well, since uh, I do have a few hats I can put on, today I'm pulling out the uh, more metaphysical spiritual one, specifically in the ideas of 
psychic ability and what that can mean and my understanding of what that truly is from my background. And to tell you a little bit more about where I come from with this is in my chosen path, I do carry the title of high priest. I was just initiated to that this past October. Congratulations again, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I also currently hold a master's and I'm working towards my doctorate in metaphysics and core spirituality. So this is, you know, well, it is very much a, a deep personal interest. This is something I've actually put real study and time into as well. Awesome. All right. So what do you consider psychic ability then? Well, let me break this down and start it this way. You've heard a lot of people who don't necessarily know much about this or believe this will sometimes dismiss it and saying, oh, I don't know if they're really psychic, but they're probably just really intuitive. Well, those are actually the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, and this is only, I will always say it from the beginning, this is only my best understanding and interpretation of both my experience and the information I've had. You know, I'm not saying this is 100% right or wrong. This is just the best way I know how to put it. But to go back to that, okay, so what is intuition? That way that we just somehow know something, sometimes beyond logical thought explanation, that gut feeling. It's also, you know, those weird moments like, say, we've sure we've experienced sometimes when sometimes you walk into a room and you can just feel the vibe of the room. When, you know, you can feel somebody's eyes on you that you're not even looking at, whether it's, you know, in a very negative way, they're angry, they're mean mugging you, or perhaps in a more positive way, you know, they find you very attractive and, you know, Sometimes, you know, you, you turn around, you can just, you can feel that on the back of your neck, so to speak. This is all forms of intuition. You know, those times when like, you're just randomly thinking about somebody and then they, out of nowhere, call you. I know that uh, our brains are processing so much more information than we're aware of. We're taking in everything through our five senses and what that intuition is, uh, at least almost dictionarily is that it's you know understanding something without the need for conscious reasoning uh we've built these to use jordan Ter- uh, peterson's term um maps of everything that's going on in the real world our body is our senses are processing all of this information and most of it we can just ignore on a daily basis. You know, it, we do those routine kind of aspects and the senses, you know, are taking in information, so much more information than we're actually aware of. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another point I was going to get to here is that at least in my understanding and interp- in, in interpretation, I really look at this sense of intuition as truly a sixth sense. You know, it is, it, is, it is part of how we receive the world information about the world around us, just like you were saying. Now, do we fully understand or can we identify which sense organ that, that comes from? No, we're still working on that. But this is one of those things where it has been happening so long and throughout history for so long, you know, there must be something there. And I believe it's really just that we haven't come to that point of understanding yet of quite, you know, if there's an exact physiological mechanism for this or not, or if there's something non-physical here, but you know, we, we receive this information about the world around us 
there's so much we don't understand about the brain, uh, let alone consciousness. So while the brain may be doing all of the computing for us, we still don't know that consciousness, uh, in fact, my personal belief is that it is not actually created within the brain. It's more of a receiver. Yeah, in fact, just on that uh, documentary we were watching last night and the different people that were speaking, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, he was speaking and saying that there's, in fact, very little scientific evidence to support the idea that the brain is the originator of consciousness. In fact, the more we look at it, the more it seems like things seem to be pointing towards, as I said, it is an antenna, it is a receptor of consciousness. Well, we all have those experiences where we have a thought that is persisting in our brain that we just can't get it to go away. We're not, we're not thinking about it. We're not trying to think that thought. We're consciously trying not to think it, and it'll just keep popping up back through. It's like it's something that is uh, almost like it's being brought to our attention for us instead. Exactly, exactly. Now, to take this all back to the idea of psychic ability. Yes. Now, I look at that as simply a very, very developed sense of intuition. Just like I'm a massage therapist, from my years of experience, I have a very developed sense of touch. When I have my hands on a body, I can feel subtle layers of tissue and muscle because that's a skill I've developed. That's because now, do I have more neurons in my fingers than other people? No, but it's, it's about... Again, it's about subtlety. It's about really being able to feel those different layers. It's just like paying attention. You have you have adapted your senses to use your your sense of touch in a way that most people don't, and you're actually uh, attenuated to your fingertips almost. Right. Much in the same way, a true foodie or someone that has you know a professional chef can can taste a very very complex dish and break down what all those ingredients are. Very refined palates as opposed to, you know, a uh, sense of touch. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. And so, and so psychic ability is doing that same thing with this sense of intuition. Now, just like with musical talent or athletic talent, that's a common thing, there are people that are very much just born to this. They're open, they're aware, you know, all their lives, you know, they've been, you know, seeing non-physical entities or just known things about other people. And that is perfectly valid. But this is also something that an individual can develop as well. You know, there are, there are prodigies who can, at three years old, pick up a musical, musical instrument and have this beautiful sound flow out. There's people who have had to t take years and years of study and practice and develop that skill as well and can still produce something beautiful. They're both valid, but it's just different ways to get into that goal. And coming into, again, working with these psychic things is works the same way. There are people that were very much born into it, but it's something that people can develop for themselves as well. So just like most things, you think that there are uh, a certain level of innate ability that's born with everybody. Um, some people have greater degree of that, some like prodigies in that kind of a sense. Uh, Edgar Casey probably had a, a huge sense. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but then everybody through practice, like I'm not going to be Michael Jordan. I never was, but I had a pretty good jump shot for a while because I practiced all the time. I don't anymore, so I doubt I do. But I'm guessing it's something like that. 
Yeah, and being able to, it's developing that, but also it's about increasing your awareness. And I remember in our in our first conversation on here, we happened to touch briefly on the point of there's no such thing as coincidence. Well, those synchronicities, that's another way that this information comes to us. You know, sometimes it's just an idea in our head that something comes forward from this from this other source. Sometimes it's being the awareness of when, you know, you hear a certain song on the radio, right as the cloud shift and the sun comes out, right as you were turning something over in your mind, and then this new then this you have, well, maybe it's this, and then boom, 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 all these things come out too. That's another way this whole concept realm feel presents itself. It's funny that you mentioned songs on the radio because some of my biggest synchronicities, uh, my earliest synchronicities at least, um, were through that. It was like uh, the songs were changing in the traffic right as I, I needed to be hearing them. There was a lot of stuff going on in my life at the time. It was it was a very odd experience. I don't really talk about much. So, I had a, a sort of a similar thing as well involving songs. And that is long before I ever got into this and really developed and studied all this. When I was uh, working at McDonald's, uh, there was someone there that I used to, we used to talk about music and trade things and, and share stuff with each other all the time. Well, one time before I'd come in, I'd woke up and all day long, even though I hadn't heard it that day, I had the song Anima by Tool stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. And which, uh, for those that don't know, the, like, the hook from the main chorus is, Learn to swim, see you down in Arizona Bay. It's about, imagine if there was a big earthquake, the whole half of California fell off from the San Andreas Fault. But it's really a statement about all the, you know, the commercialism and all the, the fake Hollywoodness and all that in California, how much they don't like that kind of stuff, even though that's where they grew up. Well, anyway, you know, I've had this song stuck in my head all day. I walk in, my friend says, hey, Sean, I burned your CD in the office. There it is. It's a comedy album by Bill Hicks titled Arizona Bay. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah. And a great comedian that if people haven't gone to look into yet, please do. Yes, very much so. Yeah. I, I refer to him as the angry woke comedian. <laughs> <laughs> gone way too early. Yeah, yeah. But please go on. And so I suppose that leads to a good place to go here is a little bit more with now I'll jump forward to my direct experience and use of this sense i don't even really like the word ability because that sounds like it's something you know great and grand and special and as i you know want to talk about here this is something that is a natural innate part of all of us okay. so it's just simply a sense and one that i'm fairly well developed with something you've actually been working with consciously for a while as yeah. opposed to most of us who go about our days and so i have at times done readings for people with uh using both I have a fairy oracle deck that speaks to me very well. I work with uh, numerology a bit, and I can also do intuitive readings where I just simply tap to source, ask the universe for answers, so to speak. But I use it even in a more daily practical aspect in my work as a healer and in massage because I can do healing work with somebody which will often can reveal where there might be, say, for example, emotional holding causing muscle tension in the body. And sometimes I can, that will come forward and I can give them insight on that. Sometimes it's more just simply of 
of an intuitive approach to my work is I sure the client tells me what they're feeling. I know what I feel with my hands, but say for example, you know, I have back pain where there's a lot of muscles in the back. There's an intuitive knowing that comes in of which area to start on of where the root of that, that problem is in the tissue. And so just in that sense, I'm using this, this sense literally every day at work. I, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it like that. Um, very interesting. So with that everyday use comes a lot more comfort with that uh, ability as well, I would assume. Comfort, but also it increases openness and sensitivity as well. And, and yeah, once you get used to it, I mean, you know, for somebody that's, you know, just new to these concepts or hasn't really got into it, it can kind of seem like this weird thing. To me, it is, I'll say, very common. You know, this is just simply part of my reality. You know, this is, you know, as much of part of my sense as what I see, what I hear, what I smell. Um, there are different types of psychic abilities that have different names. We're going to get into those a little bit later on. But does working with one help seem to help open you up to the others as well? Yes, and if... if uh, well, let's just get into it. If I assume you're talking about, like, for example, the clairsentient, clairaudient, and that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what that is, is essentially how the information presents itself to you. I define myself so far at this point as clairsentient, in that this information I come in comes into me as just a knowing. It's, it's, it's like an, an idea in my head, but it feels different than my own. Now, the, the term most people have probably heard most is clairvoyant, that means sight. It's that's the people who can like see ores, for example, you know, non-physical entities, that sort of thing. There's clairaudient that people that simply like hear a hear the information. It's almost like a separate voice. And these are all. There's no one that is right, or wrong, any more valid than the other. But in in to bring that back around to your question, that yeah, why well, do I am primary clairsentient? At times, I will get visualizations and actually see pictures in my mind. And yes, the more I do it, the more the clear those pictures can become. Interesting. So what led you to the initial openness with this and deciding to explore it? I would say, one, just the whole idea of something beyond physical reality started with uh, uh, paranormal experiences I've had. Okay. And that is, I believe uh, in in our first interview, I mentioned that I used to live with uh, uh, the drummer of my old band, his girlfriend at the time, and that was kind of my, some of my intro into uh, into these metaphysical concepts and to, you know, kind of get into the pagan-ish path, and I saw some crossovers there and whatnot. Yeah. Well, living with them, we also had another roommate that no one could see. Interesting. There would be, uh, you know, even before I lived there and whatever, you know, there'd be occasional, like, you know, you hear your random bangs and clicks. But also there were some big experiences. And one is one time we were actually sitting around watching that that, uh, series, Ghost Hunters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we kind of, I don't remember who it was, but somebody happened to make the comment, huh, you know, there hasn't been much, much activity. We haven't seen, you know, whatever's here in a while and whatever's even still here. And right at that moment, uh, 
my drummer at the time, he had hung, they had, they had one of those uh, roll away dishwashers. Okay. And had hung a poster on the side of it with duct tape. We heard their sound, looked over. The poster was away from the dishwasher, hanging in midair for a couple seconds, dropped down. Then we went over and looked at it. You could see where it was torn, that it was actually ripped away from the tape, not like the, the adhesive just worn off and it fell. Crazy. There was another incident when uh, a couple of friends were over and we were actually trying to directly contact and communicate with this thing, you know, and uh, uh, we had, you know, set a uh, protected space and reached out and done everything you're supposed to there. We were in the basement and in the midst of this, the, uh, the lights go out, the entire power in the house is killed. The breaker box for the house was outside on the front porch. Okay. And we and when we looked at it, sure enough, the master had been b- tripped, pulled. Yet it was a wet day out, and there were no dewy foot pr- footprints on the porch at all. All right. You know, when we looked back at the video, we had a candle lit, and nobody could see it there. But when you looked at the video, the flame of the color was actually the the color of the flame was actually changing colors in the video. Very we were, weird. Yeah. And so that was probably, like I said, my first experience of, you know, just possibilities of considering what's beyond, you know, the concrete physical that we see every day. And what year was that, give or take? That would have been, I would say around like 2007 or 8. Okay, so more than a decade ago now. So yeah. you've you've been open and working with this for a while. Yeah, and then... Uh, and then working with the stuff is all part of the uh, the program we're working through. And, and in my group, group, you know, we work very much with energy and non-physical beings and realms. And and uh, what's the name of the group again so everybody can find them? Seekers of the Stones. And, uh, and more exactly, if you look on Facebook, that is the name of the core group. But we uh, do events and whatnot when, you know, pre-pandemic <laughs> yeah when times will allow again but uh sacred spiral sanctuary is what you want to look for on facebook cool very cool uh yeah elwin did the uh the sawain episode for me that was very nice of her mm-hmm. uh very interesting person i want to get back to um she is definitely psychic uh and i cannot yep. What was she claiming she, or what was she saying her primary abilities were? Kind of all the above. She's a very, very, very open channel. Like, you know, she knows how to control it. it And very early on, right? Yeah. 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 Which she, she sees, she hears, she's a, uh, does a lot of medium work. So, work wise, when did you start, uh, uh, developing your touch. You mean just on the bringing this in or just simply on the physical side or all the above? All of the above, really. Because um, you weren't in massage school yet at uh, in 2007, right? Correct. So uh, it happened to time out pretty well with, in terms with working with the massage and whatnot in that I went to school got out, was trying to find work 
And then shortly after that was the, uh, the year in the core spirituality program that was all dedicated to healing. So it was rather nice. I was able to count that as my first set of continuing education for my massage license. Oh, nice. But it was, it was after I learned, you know, had that skill set, then I started figuring out on my own how to really incorporate and marry the two together and bring the, that extra piece into what I do in the massage room. So you have been working with this for a while now. How would you suggest others get involved with it? How would somebody new to this come to develop those abilities? So first of all, start to take note of these quote-unquote random moments of intuition that first come up. You know, like I said before, when, you th when you're thinking of somebody, then they call you. You know, when you have that intuitive gut feeling, that has a certain feel to it. You know, it's, it's, it's not an emotion, but it's in that it has a feel in the way emotions feel a certain way. You know, it's its, its own unique thing. And I can't, I can't tell you what it's feel like because it's like trying to describe to someone what cola tastes like. You know, cola tastes yeah. like cola. You know, this feels like intuition. And start to really cultivate that and know what that feels like. So basically bring conscious awareness when you have those feelings, when you're like, oh, I just thought that Jake was going to call, or I just, uh, I was just thinking about this song as, and it came on the radio, anything like that, just bring an awareness to it at first. Right. Okay. And then what I would also say, uh, definitely start a, which will actually help with the awareness point, you know, a meditative practice of some kind to settle down the, uh, for those who are into meditation or anything, the term of monkey mind, you know, this always constant thinking, processing mindset. You have to kind of let that settle, and then these more pieces of psychic information will arise up out of that. You know, you kind of have to get into that still place to be the open receptor. Get comfortable with the silence instead. I know it's uh, one of the things for me is... I'm always listening to something or reading something or doing something. So if I don't take that time to like get in my morning run or uh, do some meditation before bed or something to where I can have those moments of quiet, I can definitely get lost in the day too. Yeah. And so, and then it's again, all about tuning into the subtleties you know, you, like I said, you, you, you get to really know what this feels like and then it will start to happen more and more is that this, this information is around us all the time. It's whether or not we're open to receive it or not. So how do you get more open to receiving? Again, it's about developing the feeling and knowing what that's like and then seeing how often it really does occur. So maybe we should uh, talk about those different types of feelings and uh, abilities that might be where those things might be presenting themselves. Um, so the first one you said, most people think of clairvoyance. Mm -hmm. So uh, dictionary definition is the uh, supposed faculty of perceiving things or events in the future or beyond normal sensory contact. Uh, so perceiving, I always... I, and, yeah, that doesn't sound... Yeah, to me, it's actually, because there's these different types, it's actually more specific than that. 
Clairvoyant means that you actually, it's it's a sight thing. That's what I thought. Voy, like, like voyeur, is on sight. It's, yeah. Okay. Tell us a little bit more. So, for example, and, uh, you know, the people who can, this is not something I do. I don't actually very rarely, like, see auras or colors or things like that people describe. Yeah. But there are definitely those who can do that. And again, when I'm doing a reading for somebody, I will sometimes get pictures in my mind, which is a type of clairvoyance, but it's a little different. You know, it's it's getting a a picture, an image about a past experience, a past life. You know, sometimes like an early childhood trauma, if it's in healing work. Mm. You know, sometimes I will see a very specifically a face. So... Um I, there's a site, uh, Inhale Meditation Studios, which is inhalems.com, and they have a, an, an interesting article on here about um, how to tell uh, different types of um, abilities. Um, and they, signs you're clairvoyant, they talk about uh, you using the phrase, I see. Uh, people do tend to use some sort of see, hear um, thing when they speak or write. Uh, is that just in the innate abilities in you, just where you're already processing that information? Do you think that's kind of coming out there? I'd never considered that before, but it makes total sense. That is probably very likely a, a early sign coming forward of where your natural abilities might present. Interesting. So, because, because as I said, you know, we all have a certain, certain ways we lean into these abilities that, that naturally develop one way or more than the other for different people. You know, again, as in, you know, some people see, some people hear whatever. And it would not surprise me one bit if there were already these, these early kind of things naturally coming forward in our consciousness to kind of point in that direction. Interesting. It's just something that was been in my head a couple of times when I've uh, uh, realized certain people using phrases like that that I wouldn't have caught myself using. Uh, they also say like signs of clairvoyance is uh, auras, like you mentioned, or uh, energy fields, um, a good imagination, and that's kind of one of those things where you know we all have yeah you know, imagination as a kid. And at some point, it seems to wear off. Uh, but for others, it doesn't. It's just, it's a lot more active in there. Do you consider that a, a part of intuition and a part of uh, the whole psychic ability? Absolutely. And I would get uh, a little more specific on that definition of good, inf- good imagination. Not necessarily that, which, I mean, this is part of it, too, that you know you can really imagine far out things, but that what you're imagining, you know, the picture seeing in your mind has incredible clarity and detail. Mm. I would say that is definitely would be a, a precursor and a sign and a and something that will marry into this. Like uh, you can see the answers to problems or puzzles, things like that. You it's very clear and present for you. Right. All right. So then, uh, what about claircognizant? How would that be different? That is, 
that is the knowing. And I suppose that's similar to what I describe myself as clairsentient. And it's that, you know, it's that the really basic, simple version is that just that gut feeling when you know something and but can't quite explain why. I know, but I don't know how. It's just, you know, something. Uh, mm-hmm. So a, that's, a, that's the gut feeling kind of thing or. Again, a common example of that is when, you know, when you walk into a room and you can tell there's, you know, something really tense going on or something really light, you know, that that vibe a room has. You know, and it can be like that. It can be an individual person. You know, you can sometimes just know something's up with them when they're in a very strong mood one way or the other. Uh, From that same article, um, one of the things they mentioned on there is deja vu. And for me, that's that's a big one. I I have throughout my life had dreams that... uh, when I have them, <laughs> it's not very frequent anymore. Uh, but there are some dreams that are that very much stand out. And then, as I'm going throughout my daily life, that scene will play over down to every last detail. And it always kind of just made me think, okay, then I'm I'm on the right path, or I'm on the path that I, you know, that my dream had told me I was going to be in. And that's a weird way of saying it out here in public, but you know, it is what it is. That's just kind of my my feeling about those deja vu dream kind of things. Right. And actually to me, I, I differentiate between those as two different things. Okay. Because there is intuitive and prophetic dreaming to where you 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 know, you know you have seen this and you're seeing it playing out again. To me, deja vu is like you're doing an experience that all of a sudden in the middle of it, you get this feeling, wait a minute, this feels familiar. I've done this before. And you don't necessarily have the clear memory of the first time, the first hmm. when you've done, it's just that, that feeling of familiarity. But I agree with you absolutely that it is a, a point of affirmation, you know, that you're on the right path. And I think that actually goes into more of, a, um, which I know this is a very common interest of ours and that we've talked about too is, you know, alternate dimensions, alternate timelinings bleeding yeah. over into each other is, you know, you feel like you've done this before because you have maybe just not in oh. this particular timeline. Interesting. And, there, so. and then it's kind of starting to, you know, a feel is starting to bleed into each other. And again, I find that these moments are often affirmations that we're on the right path. So as opposed to the prophetic dreaming, like it seems to be my common thing. Um, it's just more of those, Oh yeah, this I've picked this up really quickly because I, it feels like it's a natural ability for me, kind of a thing. Or like just simply an experience that like that just feels like you've done it before, or like you have all of a sudden. Maybe even drive. I've been driven down this road before somewhere. Yeah, it's like, or it's almost like. It's the event of the prophetic dreaming, but you didn't actually have the prophetic dream before, or you have no memory of it. It's like you know. I guess I haven't experienced that, so I'm just trying to think of it. But now I'm I'm seeing like, all right, so uh, maybe you're taking a trip to let's just say you know the Capitol building because of what happened the other day. Good uh, example is any, <laughs> and you're driving and. Uh, 
all of a sudden you realize, oh, I, I've passed this place before. I've been here before, but you know you haven't. Well, maybe some other timeline, you took that trip two months earlier because you had some vacation time or something. Or uh, it or could like also you, it could also be a, a past life memory coming through. Oh, interesting. So you've been down that, and just not even in this lifetime. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, anything else on that? See, that was that was clear cognizance. What's led to that? So, yes. you know, I think that pretty much is uh, a good point for now. On they uh, um, talk about picking up skills quickly and uh, uh, feeling mm. as though your mind works. Um, you like you get a sudden stroke of insight, kind of things. Uh, for the claircognizant, if there's anything else on there. But the the next one would be... I would say, actually, now thinking about that more, <clears throat> I would say that is probably a... From the way watching him speak, that's probably the way Jordan Peterson leans. We know when you see him yes. wind into those moments when he starts on a concept and he's really riffing in it, and you can see like there's this massive processing, you can see the wheels turning in his brain... I think that would definitely be some claircognizance coming forward and the way he can make connections and that's a put very that together. good uh, observation. I know uh, one of the first times that I watched Jordan Peterson, I can't believe I'm going to share this, but uh, I was on mushrooms um, and I had taken a fairly decent dose and uh, I decided to, uh, everybody else had finished theirs and I was still going. I turn on YouTube, and it, he had been on my watch later list for a while. So I turn it on, and I'm watching his hand motions. I'm watching the way he's pacing on the stage, the way he, he's thinking and speaking. And it's on mushrooms. I could almost see the trails coming from him, like where he was going to come through there. It was almost like magic, as how I described it. That's actually one of the reasons why I got really... Uh, interested in him and his the way he thinks and the way he processes uh, hearing how much he studied Jung and Campbell you know it you know his tenure at Harvard uh, before University of Toronto uh, he's given a hard time of in the media a lot but uh, he listen to what he's actually saying as opposed to what the media is saying about him and you'll get a better idea of who the person is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, very good point. It, it, it did feel like he was just, he was getting these ideas. He likes to have an idea of what he's talking about, but just really let that flow out of him. And that's, that's now that I think about it, that's kind of another good example to describe how I work in my healing work is that, you know, watching him, you can tell, like I said, if you, if you know what you're seeing there, that how he flows back and forth between this more clear cognizant understanding, but also the actual, you know, very hard intellectual processing, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, you know, art and science of it, you know, and that's like I said, exactly the same way when I have a body on the table is that, yeah, you know, I'm following, this muscle pulls on this muscle, so it creates this pattern, yada, 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 this very A plus B logic pattern. But also sometimes, you know, I'm looking at their posture, say, if they're in there for a neck and shoulder issue, working on there. But something will just say, 
No, part of this is coming from they have pain in their foot and it's stretching their whole posture and it's still going up their body, you know, and also go and do some lower body work for them. Makes and those, sense. those kinds of things come through as well. All right. So that's very uh, interesting food for thought there. Is there anything else on claircognizance that jumps out before we get to clairsentience or should we move on? I think we're at a good point to move. All right. So, uh, clairsentience would be clear feeling like you uh sentience as in it sounds like knowing to me but it's it's more in that feeling sense okay yeah that is a good distinction because i'd kind of always used cognizance and sentience interchangeably but no i like that decision that distinction so yeah let's talk about that a bit so that so, would be people that use, like, I feel kind of mm-hmm. statements and things like that. Which I suppose that would also be more of what we hear of and talk about as empaths. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, which that is another thing, too, and for those who are familiar with unfamiliar with that term, it's that when you can literally feel and experience the emotions of others. Uh, go and, look up Deanna Troy in uh, Next Generation if you uh, really want to go geek out for a while. <laughs> yes, but it's... You know, again, relating to that, my own experience, how do I know that somebody's uh, shoulder is because of that's where there's some frustration hanging out, some some anger, because I feel it myself. But it, with work and again, with doing that meditative work I talked about before, with learning the subtle different differentiations there, you know whether or not it's coming from you or not. And that, and especially because I'm right in the experience of working on somebody Gotcha. So, but it it I have actual experiences of anger or sadness myself, but I realize that it's just this energy from them coming through. That actually takes me to something I wanted to touch on earlier and lost in my edible haze. Um, there's a lot of thought that we actually hold traumas physically in our muscles, in our body, and some of those things. Oh, absolutely. Um, the science is starting to back that up. So you, you feel that release when you are actually working on them as well. Do you think that that can actually help get past or help with like PTSD kind of stuff? I mean, what's, what's your thought on all that? So yes, absolutely. It it does help move things forward. I've experienced it myself, both with self-work and receiving work from other practitioners that it's all about processing so it's like it frees up the memory or whatever needs to get freed up so you can actually work on it. Yeah, it, it... So when something happens, whether it's a physical or emotional thing, we tend to hold. It's a defensive thing. You know, we tense up and everything. And, you know, it's, it's the body armoring trying to protect itself. Well, it does that with emotions too. And we... And that... We experience something, it manifests as this physical holding. That flight or flight, uh, fight, flight, or freeze, I guess, is the current one, yeah. Right, and then unless we really go in and do the processing to say, okay, that was then, this is a separate moment now, I can release this and let it go and move on, then it just kind of hangs out there in the background and, and, you know, I'll just bring this very specifically into my world in the terms of these 
muscular patterns in the body. And sometimes when you get in there and release it, as you start to make this connection and can actually re-experience the emotion of what originally caused it. You know, I've cried on the table more than once, and but to process it through it all, it really profounds, you know, it's a real change. So you know, it's, I actually it's much more thorough release, even on the physical level. So you could trigger one of those points, and if somebody wasn't willing to process it, it would still just re what's the word? Recondense in that kind of same spot, that kind of same area until they process through that? What and well, sometimes. Sometimes it uh if the emotional level doesn't come to their awareness, it can just be manifest as the pain response. And sometimes they can process through, process through it that way. Interesting. Through the physical pain response as well. Yeah. Um, all right. So what else about uh, feelings? Would that be like uh, goosebumps or um, uh, one of the things they mentioned in here is uh, being overwhelmed in large crowds. Like you, you totally. Yeah. So you would almost like, Picking up too many people's energy, kind of a deal. Yeah, think about being in a loud room. There's lots of conversation going on. And you can't discern one thing from the other, and it's just this this overwhelming gray soup of emotional flux. I actually can understand that a little bit. I'm not a big fan of crowds, and I part of me has wondered if uh, at least some of this wasn't why. I can just feel all the negativity. And uh, just overwhelming. I think that's probably one reason why uh, live entertainment, such as music or comedy, is such a great thing because it allows people to experience that togetherness, but everyone's kind of aligned and in the mindset of focusing on this one common positive thing. And so it kind of gets everybody in the same flow together and actually creates a group field of this energy. That. I love the way you're talking about that. So I can definitely see that with music. Uh, we're all listening to and basically hearing those same vibrations. We're all there celebrating the kind of same things, and that's bringing out at least a, a heightened sense there, right? And especially, yeah, and especially in this, think of it this way, you and any listeners out there. Think about to some of the truly, truly great shows you've been to. Not just the good ones, but the truly the best, the great. How much of that was simply because the performer was so good or because the crowd was so into it? They were putting out that energy and you could see the, the musician responding to that and feeding it. And there's this, this beautiful back and forth that happens. That feedback loop for sure. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned comedians as well. I know uh, Joe Rogan has said that the best comedians you basically allow them to hijack your brain for an hour. And, you right. know, you turn that over into a collective consciousness kind of situation that the comedian is kind of almost magically pulling through the air and pulling you along this ride with them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very interesting stuff. Uh, so uh, anything before we talk a little bit about Claire audience? No. <laughs> All right. So, clear audience, if you couldn't tell by the odd, A-U-D, in the title, is about hearing things, right? So, 
it's not like hearing them audibly or hearing them inside your mind like a voice inside your mind it's and just like and i'll jump back real quick to uh the clairvoyance as well okay that yes it is a visual imagery or in this case it is an audible sound but it's not through our physical sense organs so it's not coming through our ears right and just like again going back to that clairvoyant space you know this isn't necessarily somebody like really seeing through their eyes and perceiving light in the way in the normal way you know this this imagery is just coming through from more this this sixth sense this this other receiving just the brain is trying to get into a physical picture gotcha and so and then to jump back to clear audience same thing is so, that it can be a, you know a sound associated with the thing it can be a voice that you know it's like your own thought but it's different it has a different feel to it so let's see clairvoyance like i see claircognizant is like i know uh clairsentience is like i feel and then uh, clairaudience i hear so you i'm hearing a voice that i feel well, I don't know, let's, as an author, uh, writer on certain things, I want to call myself an author, um, I have uh, had moments that felt like they were coming from the muse, I guess. Mm -hmm. That kind of is what you're saying. Sure, yes. So you're, you're hearing it uh, come through, and it's not necessarily like you're making up the words or the sentences, but you know... Mm. explain it a little bit better because I'm not doing a good job. <laughs> well, I can only relate it back again to where this happens for the most, again, is in the massage room, is, yeah, sometimes I'm, I'm experiencing an emotion and feeling that way. Sometimes I'm from a guide, from their higher self. Sometimes it's very much a a word appearing in my mind over and over again, like, you know, and it, this will typically come through more in this way. Say when there's a life situation, somebody needs to be made aware of like when they're, uh, you know, when there's a hard decision they're avoiding or something like that, you know, I will often get, and it will be more like a word in my head over and over again of, you know, you know, go ahead and do the thing, you know, or so something like, like that. A word or a phrase just keeps repeating itself to you, basically. Interesting. So there, I'm sure there are lots of other ways to do it, and I'm sure that technically um, mediums uh, speaking to others would also be using a clear audience sense sometimes uh, if they're actually claiming to speak with, kind of, mm -hmm. they're hearing those voices. So another example of a clear audience might be uh, when someone is uh, doing some remote viewing. Okay. That is, you know, for those who don't know that term, is that it's say like when you're having a psychic look for a lost person or whatever, and they're, you know, actually perceiving this location where they're not physically at. 
Now, sure, there may be imagers there, but they can also hear sounds. Say, you know, someone's in, you know, near a mill, they can, you know, might hear the machinery running or something like that. Okay. Uh, hearing something, I know, like, uh, this article is talking a little bit about hearing, like, a radio off in the distance that someone else isn't hearing, something like that. You're, it's just using that auditory sense uh, without actually having the outside uh, audio influence, I guess. Yeah, without actual physical sound wave vibrations going into our ear canal. Interesting. Um, one of the, the most interesting things that said in this article is that uh, it's almost like uh, you can talk to animals and plants and feel they're communicating to you. Uh, I would not have thought about that as clear audience. Um, I could see that it, it all depends on the person. Okay. You know, again, to all these abilities, you know, you can absolutely form a communicative relationship with animals or plants, but it may come through in any one of these ways. You know, you might actually hear a voice if you're connecting with the plant consciousness. You know, it might be more of a, of a claircognizant thing where you're getting just ideas and impressions in your mind. I guess for me and animals, it's definitely more of a, a clairsentience, the feeling. Yeah, I can, when the way they look at you, the way, you know, you can yeah. feel that expression and stuff coming from them Which, for me. That's, that's a pretty good example of this as well in, in other things is I think pretty much any pet owner out there, especially of cats and dogs, yeah, will agree that they are empathic, you know, how many pets do you know that you know when you're in a bad mood and will come and comfort you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're very, very open and perceptive to that. Um, I definitely know that uh, Pippa uh, just will come over and soak up attention when, whenever I actually need to have that. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a great feeling. And most of the time, she tends to be standoffish. So uh, that's... Uh, very interesting way to experience that with uh, animal companions, I guess. I, uh, I know dogs, for me, have always been more always wanting that attention. Um, so for cats, it's interesting. The more I've gotten used to uh, cats again as an adult, because I, I loved cats as a kid. We always had cats. But uh, as I've gotten used to them as an adult, I've realized they're kind of giving you that attention when they want. They seem to have a little bit more uh, pickiness, I guess. Sure. They, uh, they're they closer to the hunter, it seems like. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, eight pounds furry fury. But, <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, been a very fun conversation so far, Sean. Is there anything else sure. you wanted to uh, talk about before we wrap this up today? Well, I just a quick point I want to bring up, and I'll mention it, and you know we'll see what we can get into. But I haven't researched this a lot myself. But going back to the point of remote viewing, and that so much of this has mostly been based on anecdotal experiences of what people have reported. Okay. But I do want to mention that uh, a couple years ago, I became aware of. A scientist out there, and he describes himself as a unified physicist. Okay. I've shared him with you. It's uh, this guy named Nassim Harriman. Yeah. And he has, 
you know, I don't claim to be able to actually break down the equations myself and understand the the higher mathematics of, of advanced physics. Yeah. But he has published a paper where he said he has essentially mathematically proven that all the information contained in a single proton is in every proton in the universe. So basically the holographic universe theory, every part contains the whole. And right, exactly. And, you know, and I'm not saying that in itself is absolute 100% for sure evidence, but to me, that is a, of a more concrete thing, very much pointing towards the idea of this being quote unquote real. Interesting. You know, that it's saying that again, the information is in everything. So why couldn't by looking within, looking within our own minds, could, why couldn't we receive the information about a physical place we're not in? Well, mathematics talks about all points in time are basically the same. It's all happening at once as far as the math is concerned. So if you could travel faster than light, you could put yourself back at any point in time, technically. So it's an interesting thing to think about what if your thoughts are actually what are traveling faster? What if you're using your thoughts to break that field and go elsewhere? Uh, I know remote viewers have been said to not only see things in the present, but in the past and or future as well. Yep. Uh, Russell Targ, by the way, is uh, somebody you guys should all look up if you haven't yet. And in case you don't know what remote viewing is, because I realize we've just we've talked about it a bit and haven't really said anything. I'm guessing most of you listening already do, but it's basically the practice of uh, seeing a target uh, in your mind uh, using a, a deep meditation kind of practice, basically with coordinates or a description of a of something that you're supposed to kind of infiltrate and um letting your mind work with that and tell you what's there the military spent a shit ton of money on this uh there's a great book by john ronson uh and the movie uh the men who stare at goats uh i rewatched it recently by the way you should just enjoy it for the absurdity it is great uh, the actors, George Clooney, Ewan McGregor, uh, I believe. And uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, yeah. It's just every Oh, Kevin Spacey before he was, you know, Kevin Spacey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's a uh, Coen Brothers movie, right? I believe that's right, yeah. It's yeah. Coen Brothers, yeah. So it has that feel to it. Very, yeah. Which I believe, I like the disclaimer at the beginning, something along the lines of more of this story is true than you would believe or something like that. Exactly. It's, it's absurdist for a reason, but uh, the, you look at the facts and you go through it all there. It's basically comedian, uh, like a comedian looking at the situation as opposed to the fact that it didn't happen. But yes, there was absolutely a military program that's tried to train psychic warriors, so to speak. Oh yeah, uh, the MK Ultra stuff keeps getting creepier and creepier. Mm -hmm. uh, there's recently, I wish I could remember the author. There's a whole book on um, the CIA, and they're basically taking over the Hate Ashbury district in San Francisco and dosing people at that medical oh, clinic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, 
Rogan mentioned that on one of his podcasts. Yeah, yeah. he actually interviewed the author, um, and uh, it's just it is the author pulled together so much information that it sounded so fucking likely that the CIA like controlled or was giving Charles Manson his acid at the very least mm-hmm. and sanctioned the you know the murder if not if not it just ignored the fact that it was going to happen and escalate through all this shit it's it's fascinating well and so to uh but bring things back into a little more uh lighter view on this <laughs> yes please but because let's not like, end on manson yeah so there have been experiments and things done where they've been you know group meditations for peace in the world and you know and then they've seen the results of that like violent crime dropping in the cities where it's happened and things like that you know we don't quite again fully understand it in the quote-unquote scientific terms but you know there's been lots of things like this about how consciousness influences reality what we feel within and send out into the world has an influence on the world around us you so know, there, there's that, you know, there's the, uh, another one that is known at least to people who are into this thing is the way that, uh, random number generators will all of a sudden become less random when there is a lot of consciousness folks on one thing. Like for example, a key event was when the, uh, the OJ verdict was announced. The, when the twin towers fell as well. Right. Um, and so, t- but the point I'm making here is we've seen these things pointing that we know what we send out influences the world, then if you're taking that, why is it too far of a leap to say that, you know, what comes out, we can receive and interpret that as well. Absolutely. It's, it's a limitation of our senses. Like we see what one, two hundredth of the visible light spectrum. Um, Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's even just, you know, in hard science terms. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going with that. We just, we don't, we don't even know the other senses or how heightened are the senses we do know about could be if we actually develop them. And in fact, to again, look at the, these things in our own senses, you know, what some people don't know is that when we see, we don't actually see a continuous stream of the world around us. There's little microscopic gaps in that signal from our eyes to our brain and our brain fills in those gaps with images by what we know and think the world is around us. And that's actually a principle of uh, film, basically, because that's why 24 frames a second looks like continuous motion. But that's really, that's 24 shots. They're lining, they're taking the audio, matching it up to those shots so that it looks and sounds like a moving and real event. But it's basically, it's those same still images that our brain is getting and processing that information. We're getting at it at a much faster rate than that, but anything over 24 frames a second looks like motion to us. It's very interesting. Yeah. So to bring that back around to, you know, why is it so hard to think that there are things floating out there other than what we normally perceive through our everyday experience of the five senses? Yeah. Just, it just makes sense to me. Well, I've really enjoyed having you here today so far. Any last words or anything else you wanted to share before we left today? 
Well, we went down a few tangents and rabbit holes here, but the main thing I want to bring this back to is, quote unquote, everyone is psychic. This is a natural, innate part of our ability, of our of our way of seeing the world around us, of our way of perceiving around us. You know, this has been something that has been on the fringes and kind of, you know, was even demonized in Western society for a long time. But this is nothing new. And I think looking around what's going on in the world, I think if more people learn to open this, be in tune with each other, this could be a very, very important thing into building a better world for ourselves. I agree. Um, Before we leave, I do want to say, you know, remember to actually look at the people that you're dealing with. If you're going to go and explore this, you know, there are fraudsters out there who are trying to take advantage of you. People, you can feel that energy coming off them even, and no offense. I mean, just be be aware of everything that's going on. That is a very, very good point, is that, you know, this is a... This is a known thing, and and just like anything that has any sort of influence or power, there are people that will use it for good purposes and people that use it for bad purposes. And you know, and yes, that is a very good point of being mindful who you interact with, what you read, what you follow, and if it comes down to it, you know, a good discerner is, you know, are they ever asking you to do anything negative or harmful? Uh, also kind of watch out for what they're asking you money wise and stuff like that. A lot of people, most people will be just talking to you and giving you information. You can find out a lot of things online. Go do some research for yourself. Uh, the sacred spiral sanctuary, um, look them up on Facebook, send out a message. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. You know, things like that. Trust, you know, get trusted sources. Let's go there. Yes. All right, man. Thank you again for being here. It was a it was a blessing. It was it's my honor to do this. It's always great to talk and to also be putting these things, this knowledge I've accumulated over the past ten years or so out into the world. You know, I feel like I've come to that place where I've have at least a little bit under my feet to where I can actually present this out and maybe be the source of continuing on this information. Sharing the knowledge is very appreciated. Thank you again. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I had a blast talking about psychic abilities with Sean, and I'm looking forward to having him on again in the future. I want to thank him and also give a special thanks to all of our listeners. You are the reason I'm doing this. Please tell your friends about us, follow us on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, or wherever else you're listening, and please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support us on Patreon or connect with us on the social media of your choice. We are at Awakened Exchanges on Facebook and Instagram and at Awaken Exchanges on Twitter. Thanks again and have a blessed day. Obviously, uh, edible is at least working enough to where my brain is uh, not making the connections as fast as I'm used to. So that's, our, that's driving me a little crazy, but...